Hey, thanks for hanging out with me for just a couple of minutes today. Here, our focus is being better and healthier than yesterday. Are you better? Are you healthier than you were yesterday? Here, we don't compare ourselves to him or her. We compare ourselves to who we were yesterday. Self-improvement has no end. Health has no finish line. There are lifelong journeys where we take it one day at a time, and here we do it together. So let's do this. Well, before we get into the main topic, which is going to be a good one today, it's, it's Simon Jacobson and how we can help our kids in these tough times. I know a lot of the listeners have kids, and these this last year, we could say, has not been easy on them or on us for many reasons. We're not going to get into that, and we don't really get into that in the podcast episode. What we do get into is how we can help them get through these times. But before we get into conversation with Simon Jacobson, I just want to let you guys know that if you want to get in contact me, with me, the best way to do it is through email or through Instagram, benpagedc at gmail.com or Instagram benpagedc. Those are the easiest ways I usually get back to you as soon as possible and it's, those are the ways I'm going to get back to you. Um, of course, take a screenshot of this episode Tag me on BenPageDC, at BenPageDC, and I'll tag you right back. Go to my webpage, PastorsVotivistForum.com, where you can get a book absolutely free called Earth and Us. And it talks about how our health is intertwined with the health of the soil. That book is free just by going to my website. And again, subscribe on all of the mediums, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or Google Podcasts, so you don't miss any of these episodes. And... If you have just a couple seconds, couple minutes, leave a review. I read every single one of them. Good, bad, take the good, and I learn from the bad. So leave a review and let me know how you guys are doing, and if you like this podcast or not, and how I can make this better. Well, let's get into this main episode. Let's get into the main content, this interview with Simon Jacobson. All right. Well, we got another great episode today, so I got a neat guest. I got it. I guess that hopefully, I mean, will teach me as much as he's going to be teaching you. That's one of the reasons I have this great guest on him, Simon Jacobson. He's going to talk about how we can help our kids in these times. So I got two kids, a 14-year-old and 10-year-old. So that's one of the reasons I'm excited to have him on. I hope to learn just as much as you guys learn. But before we get into the conversation, I'm going to give Simon some time to kind of introduce him and let us get to know him just a little bit more and how we got where he is today so welcome on welcome to the show simon and it's a little introduction to who you are and how you got to where you are today sure first of all thank you ben for having me and uh, these are the miracles of technology no matter where we are no matter what we're going through in this whole uh, situation and upheaval we can connect and i always like to believe that this connection is not just a technical one it's also heart to heart soul to soul you know, even if socially distant, soulfully close. That's what I live by. So, um, briefly about myself. I'm born and bred in uh, Brooklyn, New York. My parents were Russian-born. They came to the United States after World War II. I grew up in a uh, Jewish, Hasidic, like a mystical type of uh, home and community, uh, which was really a beautiful life. Because on one hand, I, I learned a lot about different traditions and rituals and uh, uh, schools of thought. But at the same time, my home was very open-minded and I had had the ability to spread my wings and explore. 
And in my teenage years, I discovered, <laughs> I guess uh, in retrospect, I would call it I was a rebel without a cause. And then I found my cause, which was to, to be somewhat of a, a bridge <clears throat> between spiritual and the secular. You know, we live in a very materialistic world where people focus a lot about on their own pleasures and immediate gratification. And uh, I think all of us need some transcendence in our lives. So I feel that I'm able to bring some of that into the world. And uh, I wrote a book called Toward a Meaningful Life, which has been a pretty popular book translated into 14 languages. It's about that, exactly that, a spiritual blueprint to life, how to make your life more meaningful. And uh, as a result of the success of the book, we started an organization called the Meaningful Life Center, MeaningfulLife.com, where you can really see everything about me and my work and my team. And that's what we do. We create all kinds of programs, online, videos, uh, articles, workshops, courses, uh, personal counseling that help people find the deeper purpose of their lives. You know, you ask people, you know, I often ask a person, who are you? And they give you their business card. And I say to the person, well, your business card tells me what you do, not who you are. And many people uh, sigh and they say, well, what I do has become who I am. So I try to feel that I'm, I'm here to help people discover who the real you is, not just what you do. Instead of being reactive, to be proactive about your life and having some calling, what I like to call a spiritual mission statement, and, uh, and take care of your soul as much as you do your body. So I think this topic we're discussing really fits right in. And again, I thank you for having me. And uh, especially today, I, I can't tell you, I mean, I've probably done more programming in the last seven months than the last seven years. And reaching many people, I think there's a vulnerability out there. People, as their lives have been disrupted and their schedules have been upended, people are searching more and more inward both for themselves and their children, how to find some deeper meaning, some grounding. You know, when your security blankets and your comfort zones are uh, shaken up, you start looking, where can I find true security? And I think that's what we want to address here now. Then, so for sure. Yeah, it's going to be perfect. And not only, not only for us adults, but for our kids. I really like that, that's that little phrase you said, a spiritual mission statement. Before we get into the main, before we get into the other topics. Um, so what is a spiritual mission statement? Well, you know, a business can't function without a mission statement. You have to have a, a focus, a mission. What do you want to achieve? And uh, and then a game plan how to achieve it. And how is it going to help people? You know, I, not that I like to quote uh, high tech, but just for example, Google's mission statement is to organize all the information of the world and make it readily accessible. Uh, I would argue that just as a company cannot function without a mission, we cannot. As human beings, uh, we are very often, our lives are, are, are built by uh, uh, built on a lot of fragmented and disjointed pieces that can be connected with one mission. So a spiritual mission statement is basically saying, why are you here? How are you going to use your skills and your experiences and your opportunities to make your corner of the world a better place? So, for example, myself, I'm a communicator. I'm a writer. I'm a teacher. I try to use my skills to help people, to help people find clarity, to help people get beyond their uh, insecurities, fears, and inhibitions. You know, you, Ben, in many ways, you know, this radio, this uh, radio, I'm not sure what, what format this is, but I know 
It's a podcast. What would we categorize this program? I guess no, so. it's a podcast. Yeah, this is a podcast. So you're using technology to uh, to broadcast a message of hope and strength and and direction to people. In a way, you're fulfilling a, a particular mission. I think each one of us needs to define what is your mission in life. Uh, you're you're like what mark are you going to leave in this world? And it's not about you alone. It's about how you help and serve others and serve the larger community. So that's the way I would describe a spiritual mission statement. Of course, there's a lot of latitude to defining it many different ways, but it creates that focus and it creates a sense of urgency that you're not just waking up every morning and say, okay, what am I going to do today? Or it's all driven by your job or you're by immediate survival. But it's driven by some transcendent purpose, by something that's that's uh, larger than life, larger than you. That's how I would describe it. That's really cool because I talk about that quite often, but I've never used the term spiritual mission statement. So I, I think that's really neat. That's a, way, that's a great way to, to, to give it a name, a spiritual mission statement. Really neat. So we are in times that are difficult. Um, and a lot of it, I think, has been planned. That's a different conversation, but they're difficult. A lot of people have been affected. We can almost say the world has been affected, and that's affecting our kids. So I know a lot of people that are listening to the show have kids. So how can we, and I know this is going to be the main focus of this episode, but of course, this also can go for the adults. But how can we help our kids through these times, through these times that are uncertain, through these times that a lot of fear. So if you're listening to anything that's on media, it's almost all fear-based, not truly scientific-based, but fear-based. How can we help our kids in these times? Yep. Exactly right. Um, so let's define security. You know, fear and security are two uh, polar opposites. When you feel secure, you don't feel fear. When you feel insecure, you feel fear. So unfortunately, when you live in a materialistic world, people define security in a very superficial way. You know, I always find it ironic. They call financial holding securities as if it's like going to really – Creates the, the most insecure thing in life is finance. It's constantly changing. One day you could be on top of the mountain, and the other day you're in the bottom. You know there are all kinds of factors. Money and materialism is what we call temporal. They're temporary. They're impermanent. And yet people feel if I had that, I would get real security. So let me challenge that by saying true security comes from spiritual values, things that don't die, things that are not subject to element to the erosion and the deterioration of materialism. So what are the things that are eternal? Love, values, faith, um, soulfulness. These things, even after physically, my father passed away 15 years ago, but my, the love that he had for me and I had for him lives on. So I think in times like this, when we have been, uh, you know, in a way it's a wake-up call, I believe. We thought, I know, I know thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people, now it's millions of people whose lives were controlled by their schedules, their summer plans, travel, business investment, um, you name it, work, school. So when our children don't even know whether they can go to school, and I agree with you, we're not getting into the reasons behind that. But the fact is their lives are disrupted. For children, one of the most important things for their nurturing and building their self-confidence is consistency. If they sleep every night in another bed, it is very unsettling 
and uh, disorienting for children, for adults too, mind you. So the first thing is you must create a consistency in your home. Even if the children can't go to school, so fine, Zoom, maybe no Zoom. Embrace a value. I would suggest to parents, I've been speaking to a lot, a lot of public school students, high school students, younger kids. Create something in your home that you could do together, a project. You know, maybe we're going to, today we're going to send out 100 emails or 100 text messages on social media with a kind and warm message. You know, these things create in your children and in us more permanence that creates a certain level of stability. So the instability of our material lives now should be countered with a very deep commitment and an unwavering commitment to the things we stand for. Another example, sit down with your children and write down what are the five most important values in our lives, things that you really find valuable. I did this actually, Ben, with a group of students, and I asked them, tell me the, the five most important values in your life today. And contrast that with the things you would have written in January 2020. Here, listen to the contrast. In January 2020, most of the students said, what were our five most important things? Um, sexuality, my boyfriend, girlfriend, sports, video games, uh, where am I going for uh, winter vacation? And now, what about now after the pandemic has broken? The, most of the kids, you know what they say? Love, my family, things I believe in, values. You know, you suddenly see a shift. Because when things are comfortable, you know, we take for granted our comforts. We don't appreciate our deeper values. When you have to fight for them, and suddenly they're not as uh, as readily available. You just press a button and get an Amazon Prime uh, delivery. You start thinking about what really matters. And I think people turn to family and values. And unfortunately, to be very honest, Ben, a lot of people are very depressed today because they were so uh, dependent on their materialistic drugs and addictions. And I don't mean necessarily physical drugs. I mean even their work and, you know, the whole thing that now when you're left in a way uh, <laughs> stripped of that, how do they, what do they say? They say when the tide is out, you see who's been swimming naked. They're suddenly exposed People are really scrambling to figure out where do I find security. So getting back to our children, most single, most important thing, always, but especially now, to counter fear, give them things that they can hold on to, that they can feel confident in, that will not change and shift with the wind. That is the first opening approach I would take. Obviously, obviously we can unpack this and discuss it more in detail, but I want to, this is a conversation, so I don't want to just continue to ramble. Oh, for sure. And thank you. I mean, those are all great things. Um, what if what if you have a just a question I'm going to I'm going to throw at you. What if sure. you're trying to trying to put kind of some some uh, not control, but some what you were talking about, how you how we can put not the words, not control, but but um Oh, what was the word you used? I mean, I'm trying to uh, uh, some securities. Secure, not not as much security either, but giving him uh, something to do, uh, giving him something to do. Have that. Oh my goodness, I can't believe the word just left me. But the question is, is so cell phones nowadays they're used a lot more. They're used a lot more, and they're seemingly used a lot more at nighttime. And 
I know there's a lot of parents that would prefer that their kids don't use them at nighttime. So they actually use the nighttime to rest, to recuperate, to build, to to heal instead of looking into a screen, chatting or playing video games all night. Um, how can we help our kids understand the importance of letting that go at nighttime? OK, you can do it during the day at a certain amount, but at nighttime, let's give that up and let's try and rest. How can we help our kids under understand the importance of that? Well, first of all, then, the most important thing is, is, is uh, demonstrating by example. I know parents to tell them, they tell their children not to use the, the cell phones at night, and then the kids come out of bed and they see their parents are using them. So, so I think it's important to be uh, consistent and, uh, and a good living example. That's number one. Number two, it's very hard to uh, completely uh, el- eliminate technology from our lives and the phones. I would incentivize like something like this. Instead of just telling them they're going to feel deprived and say, oh, you know, why can't I use my phone? It's going to become a negative experience. I would say, look, you know, the phone and, and their technology and your smartphone and social media are all gifts and tools to in some way make the world a better place. I would introduce them to the concept of tradition in the language that children can understand. As say, that, you know, no problem. You enjoy, you enjoy being around friends or playing games, but you also have to use your phone for sending messages and sharing something common with, with friends, with strangers, with others. And I think if you put a positive, a positive uh, spin on it, and then you say there's a time where all of us have to like take time out. We can't be overstimulated. Um, and uh, at the end of the day, it's going to come down to having some form of uh, discipline. But I always believe discipline works better when it comes to incentives and motivation. And uh, if, if we just create a positive side to it, it be easy. I don't really know how to enforce rules like that. Because sometimes children start complaining and they're not feeling good and you give in. You know, parents have compassion and they're sometimes soft. It's hard to always maintain the rules. But I think if you just have a, a, a good conversation, each child their age, type of conversation, to tell them that these are tools to make us all better people, and then I think it's easier to explain the time limits that you make on it and how we let the big line, the bottom line is these are instruments for us to use, not for them to use us. We should not be addicted or controlled by our devices. We should control them. And I think teaching children that you can control what enters and how much you use your tools is healthy. Like, you know, you're not going to use a hammer all day and all night because you're going to get exhausted. You have to use it when it's necessary and then there's time off. And at night, as you said, to be more calm, to rejuvenate, to regenerate yourself and so on. Yeah, that, it's, it's difficult. <laughs> it's not easy, but I think that's a great, I mean, try to bring the positive aspect of what it is and how we can how we yeah. can how we can help our kids understand that of course and yeah number one is 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 be the example for sure but i, I, I i've seen if you allow me i would just add one more thing you know it's good to, it's it's a good exercise to explain to children why do we sleep at night a lot of children don't want to go to sleep sleep is a healthy part of the human condition because it allows you as i said to regenerate to renew yourself. So when you want to go to sleep at night, 
You want to be in that mindset. You don't want to have the television on and all your being inundated by all the data that's being streamed toward you. You want to create a calm, like a calmness around you. I think children can understand that. It's like going, taking, going to the spa. You know, you want to have a certain calmness and not being so overstimulated. Like taking too much caffeine. There's also a type of psychological caffeine, which is our devices. Just wanted to throw that in there. Oh, for sure. And and I think that's very important that we try to help them understand the importance of what sleep is, even though at their age they're right. still they don't they still don't see the the yeah. importance of it because they don't see the consequences of it yet, as it usually takes years and sometimes decades to feel the consequences of lack of sleep. But right. it, but it, it's a question that's been coming, and that's why I wanted to ask you because it's 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 a tough situation because. Cell phones, it, it's it's something that you can, it's it's there all the time. Uh, yeah, it's there all the time, and it's sometimes it's difficult, and we need to find that 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 area in between where they're getting good sleep, but at the same time they're enjoying what is what that tool can be, and hopefully right. they're using it in in the right way. Right. Another thing, another thing that you talk about is 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 make sure that we have how to build a happy and safe home, and how that how do we do that as parents? How can we build a happy and a safe home, so our our so our children can feel like you say secure, so they can feel that security and and be able to grow as children as children should. Look, I think it almost affects it's really our entire behavior and the environment we learn. I like to always use the example when I speak to parents: is um, your home is your garden, your children are your flowers, you're the gardener. You need your home to look like a garden. You know, when you uh, want flowers to grow, you need to water them, nurture them, and you need to weed. You also need to weed out, uproot all weeds, negative influences. So if you think of your home as a sacred environment, you know, like what do you talk about at the table, at the breakfast table, at lunch, at dinner, weekends, evenings? You should always infuse conversations, not just talk about other people or talk all kinds of you know, bad news and just share what we saw on TV or all the other negative fear-based uh, media, but talk about things you believe in. You know, share a story of your grandfather or grandmother. Uh, talk about values. It's very, if you do this in a deliberate way and you see it as your responsibility, not once in a while, but it's a constant flow of so-called nurturing language and conversation, your home will become a garden and your children will blossom like flowers. And I think it's a mindset that if parents take that attitude that you're not, it's not just a home is your shelter and we just happen to sleep here. No, this is the corner of your world where you're going to shape the lives and the souls of your children. What they will experience in your home will be what they will take with them when they build their own homes, when they go out to the street. This world is a hostile place. Your home should be the most beautiful oasis. I find sometimes I see, I just was dealing with a, a couple of family. The parents are always fighting, and the children tell me, I can't, I can't go to sleep. I, I can't stand when my father yells. And parents don't understand that every word you say and your anger and all your other stuff, you are really hurting your, your family and children. Now, if you have a justifiable reason, go find a way to vent, and maybe, but not in, the, not in the environment. People have forgotten that their homes are sacred. They're not just a place to do whatever you want. And I think if you have that attitude and you implement on a daily basis different activities and a different vibe that's very soulful, 
you will have, that's how you create that type of uh, security. Nothing more secure for children when they see their parents, their siblings, fear for them. You know? And there's a lot more to say on this. I'll give you an example, another thing I would throw in. Every morning when your children wake up and before they go to sleep, that, don't just tell them I love you. Tell them you were sent here as a gift to me. You, I will do everything possible to help you actualize your potential. That you can be an ambassador of light to shine with your potential. You know, give them that vote of confidence. Make them feel that they are needed, that they're important. So many parents ignore their children. Even though they may feed them and take care of their basic needs, they don't give them any, any quality time of let's, let's talk about what, what's on your mind, what's on your heart. That a child feels that you're not just rushing to work or you're rushing to do something else. I, so, so it really comes down to both creating a general environment and specific things that you continuously do. A garden must be cared for all the time. You can't just care for it once a year. Every day you need to take care of it. And I think if you look at it that way, your children as those flowers, it changes the whole attitude of how we look at our families and our children. That is so neat because my my podcast um, focuses on food and gardening as one of the main aspects of health and getting outside and getting under the sun and, and gardening. And I've really never, ever thought about that analysis, how we could treat our home as a garden. Yeah, and so I talk about how the importance of composting, the importance of taking care of our plants. But, yeah, you can take that into the house, and it makes everything just a little bit more easy to understand why we should be doing it daily and not just when we think that we when we think it should be done, but daily. Oh, that is really neat. And I also liked how you talked about make our house sacred. So not anything can. So when it's sacred, yeah, anger doesn't enter into sacred places, or at least the reaction of anger. Maybe anger is present, but the emotion isn't. The reaction to anger is not exactly. present. You don't want pollutants in your home. You want a very pure environment. That's what. That's really what gives children the most security of all. That is very, very interesting. I really appreciate that. And, and going back to the whole garden thing is, so those are the weeds that we need to, we need to pick so those weeds don't grow into this beautiful garden that we're trying to create for our children. The children being flowers. It's very. That is a very neat analysis, and I think that is a great way to think about it, especially coming from a podcast that where we talk about gardening is all the time, and I never really brought that into the family. <laughs> that is really cool. It all comes together. It, yeah, and it's just it's really neat how that does come together. Um, I mean, the way you're talking about things, how sometimes the parents ignore. I mean, I fall into that. Um, I don't bring up the conversations like I should. I don't. So there's things that I'm learning that I know that – I, well, I knew, but I just wasn't doing it. Now, hearing it from another person again saying do it, this just gives me more more desire to step up the game and start those conversations and speak to them and, and make sure and let them know before when they wake up and when they go to bed that, yeah, you do love them. But not only do you love them, that you're here to help them reach their potential in any way. Really good advice, and, and I'm taking it also this advice to my own life. So that's, this is a really awesome. Um, we're about the time flies by when you're having a good conversation. Um, <laughs> is, is there anything else that you would like to leave us uh, ways that we can help ourselves as adults be better people so we can pass that on to our kids so they can feel certain 
and, and safe and loved in these times of uncertainty. And of course, before we hit the end, let us know again where they can find more about you, Jacob, so they can get to know more and, and learn more from you. Sure, absolutely. Um, so first of all, yes, it, and nothing in life comes, you know, since we're using gardening uh, analogies, no fruits are born without effort. You know, uh, so I think it's important to think you can't press a magic button and say, okay, I'll do this and everything's going to be great in my home and family. We as parents and as ourselves, we need to make be deliberate, especially now that fear, uncertainty, and unknowns are so dominant. We need to work even harder to create even more security and consistency. And at the end of the day, the only foundations that are unwavering in a home are the eternal foundations. Imagine a building, foundations are shaking. Then how, can, how, how much security can you build? And it's really defining those values for yourself and for your family. This is a great time to do so. Um, so that could segue straight into what I do. I mean, look, I am accessible. I feel it a great honor and, and dignity to intersect and cross-pollinate with other kindred spirits and souls. And each one of you listening to this, you need to know you have an indispensable mission in this world. You are absolutely needed. I always like the analogy of music. Everyone is a musical, an indispensable musical moment, one cosmic symphony. And we need each other. You need to sing your song. I will be more complete when you sing your song, and you'll be more complete when I sing my song. I always am um, drawn to the very sad poem that uh, Oliver Lemon Hughes has a poem called Voiceless. And his devastating opening line is Alas to those that die with their song still inside them. So I want to stay in a concluding note. I feel committed to help people sing their voice, to express their voice, to sing the song that you and only you can sing. And that's what well, that's my mission. It's the mission of my organization. Go to MeaningfulLife.com. You find a full array of resources to do exactly that. Discover your voice and discover the courage to not be a conformist and really be who you are and your unique self. Let it shine. And let it illuminate the, your corner of the world, and by extension, the ripple effect, the butterfly effect, illuminate the entire world that leads it to global redemption. And I thank you again, Ben, for having me. Nice to speak with you. No, oh, thanks for coming on, and I and I love how. And to finish, I'll just say this: what you said. It's so important that we that we focus on and what's not temporal, what's what's eternal, and. If we focus on those things um, slowly but surely, like you say, we'll we'll find that that point where it will just all work out. And of course, it takes hard work, just like in the garden. If you want some fruit, you better be willing to work for it. So I appreciate you coming on and bringing the garden into this beautiful conversation about how <laughs> we can help our kids feel certainty in times of uncertainty. And again, please let us know where we can find more information about you, Simon. You go to MeaningfulLife.com. That's the best place, MeaningfulLife.com. It's with two L's. And uh, you can find – please subscribe there. We do a uh, weekly um, – uh, more than a weekly. Uh, we have weekly offerings, free subscription to Soul Gym, spiritual self-care, and other type of exercises and insights that can help you feed your soul and the soul of your children. Just go to MeaningfulLife.com. That's the best way to reach me. And you'll see there – 
all the links will be there, both as a, a robust schedule of, of events every day, literally um, for all types of audiences from all over the world. Awesome. And I look forward to hear from you. Please uh, join, subscribe, and be in touch with me. I'd love to hear from you. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Simon, for coming on. I appreciate your time. Absolutely. Great talking to you.